Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Movie Babble podcast, the first podcast of 2023 for us and the first podcast in what feels like five years. I think it's been nine months, but happy to be back and happy to have a lot of new pods in the new year. So um, it's just, it just feels good. feels like movies are back. We're back. Everything's coming back together. Uh, but joining me on this episode first is Colin Wills. How's it going, buddy? It's going. Movies Movies are back. I just get excited at new months now because it's not like, <laughs> oh, there's nothing coming out till summer. It's like, no, cool things are coming out all the time. I felt a little dead inside in like August and September when there was just nothing coming last what? year, this past year. It was really dark. I just, I'm just really happy we actually have a full slate of movies this, this year. But the uh, hierarchy of power in the DC universe won't be changing anymore. <laughs> so that's kind of upsetting. Well, Dwayne's got to kind of go back to the drawing board on that one, figure out some other kind of hierarchy. Maybe he comes back in Fast X. Who's to say? I don't think we'll be anyone else. Anybody will be talking about that movie, except for right now in this podcast. But um, <laughs> also joining us is Spencer Henderson. What's going on, buddy? Uh, you know, the hierarchy in the Movie Babble podcast is changing. That's what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You're kind of going to be more of a regular guest around here. So I don't know. God help us or hooray. Who's to yeah. say? <laughs> well, let everyone else judge that. I guess. Um, no, movies are back and I'm thinking we're back. <laughs> Just like John Wick said. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So yeah, we're going to be going through our most anticipated movies of the year. Um, kind of like what we mentioned, it looks like it's going to be a really good movie year. I feel like, well, obviously 20 through 22 was just bizarre. Everything pandemic related. I feel like every single movie podcast has kind of rehashed all those points time and time again. So we don't really need to talk about it one more time and just continue to beat that dead horse. But it just, I don't know. It feels kind of normal. There's a lot of cool stuff. There was like a Twitter thread, I think a couple, like a couple days ago that listed all of the great directors that have movies this year. And it was pretty staggering. Like there is a lot of really like interesting movies from interesting filmmakers coming out this year. So I'm I'm really excited, and it seems like they're kind of all over the map in terms of release date and things like that. So I think this is going to be really cool. Um, Colin, what do you what what do you kind of like? Are you looking forward to most for this year? I guess more in general terms. I think, and like, I think twenty 2020, twenty or twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one had good movies. Um, like there were things that I genuinely really enjoyed, but going to the movies last year, and I think kind of from like Top Gun on, it just felt like event films were back and not even, you know, things like Top Gun or like Avatar, which is supposed to be, you know, like everyone expects those movies to be really big. But it was just like the feeling that comes around something like that, where like my parents are asking me about this. They're like, oh, we're excited to see this. Like all my friends, like the just the the uh, community part of going to the movies, I feel like is back and normal people who don't watch every movie are like getting into it again. And like, yeah, let's, let's go see Dolby. Let's go see IMAX. Let's go find the biggest screen we can and just watch something. And I've really missed that feeling. And it just feels like the high that we're kind of ending the year on um, with so many big things. And, and I think even movies that are like smaller, but that like everyone's still talking about, at least in the Twitter sphere, like Babylon, which, Obviously, it's yeah. not been Hell a yeah, big. 
<laughs> which obviously has not been a big financial success. Uh, but it's something that's like really captivating the circles that I hang around in. And so I'm excited to have that back again. And it's not just like you watch Tiger King yet. It's like I went to the movies. I saw this thing. I don't understand it. I want to go see it again. And it just feels like that attitude's going to carry on into this year. Colin, what are we doing the Babylon podcast? Just you and me just for five hours. I cannot into, t- <laughs> dive into the asshole of Los Angeles together. I cannot tell you how many times I've listened to Voodoo Mama from that movie <laughs> in the past two weeks. That, that movie, uh, quick side tangent, because I have to talk about this movie because I've, I've been able to talk to nobody because nobody's seen it. I saw that movie last weekend. It was just me and one other guy. The other guy left two hours in, so it was just me <laughs> all alone watching the complete depravity of the final hour. And it was, you know, it was beautiful. Damien Chazelle, what a guy! Um, fully, fully in the, fully in the deck for that man. But um, when Toby McGuire showed what are you up, thinking about the, I'm thinking about if Damien Chazelle's gonna have a career after this. <laughs> That's also true. That's also true. It's like no, I, I also am a, a Babylon head. I guess you could say. Um, I thought the movie was awesome, but yeah, it's not doing great financially and so it's like yeah it's a little worrisome for old damien because i i mean i love him as a filmmaker and i thought it was such a bold swing and it was so interesting that it sucks that more people aren't going and seeing it so i think yeah. he has one more movie before he's in director jail because really i think he's in director jail right now well, he just inked that, that deal was with... hilariously bad shit. I was having so much fun at how crazy it was. He just inked the Paramount deal, like as Babylon was coming out. So I guess they could always renege on it. But I feel like the La La Land hype and the fact that Whip- Whiplash, it feels like Whiplash continues to grow its audience, which considering it was pretty indie to begin with, isn't, you know, it's never going to be as big as La La Land. But it's a movie that like kinds tends to stick around. And so I feel like he has enough credit on those two that he could maybe get an exec to ignore First Man and Babylon not doing so hot at the box office for a little while. Did First Man break even or was it like a flop? I can't remember. It didn't outright flop, but it was not a success. Look at us. Anyway, cinema in twenty twenty. Couple of dudes <laughs> just talking about Damien Chazelle and derailing the podcast five minutes in. <laughs> I love we're it. Up to, we're, we're up. We're to back. We're back. Guys, start. Yeah. <laughs> Spencer, what are you looking at uh, more, just in terms of just twenty twenty three in general? Well, I was thinking of it while Colin was talking because you know, like to me, I kind of felt the the success of Top Gun Maverick from just some of the people who I talk to. But I feel like with um, Avatar, The Way of Water, that's really when people have been asking me, like normal people who don't go to movies super often, they've been asking me, how what should I, how should I see Avatar? Should I see it in 3D? Should I see it in IMAX? You know, I've had a ton of people approach me about this movie. So um, kind of going back to what we were talking about, where COVID kind of just derailed everything for a couple of years, you know, Colin brought up like Tiger King and that was such a weird point in time. It feels like forever ago, but at the same time, I feel like this 2022, we're coming out of a year where we have two um, bonafide hits at the box office that were genuinely good. And I feel like 
the excitement coming out of that kind of might remind people like, oh, this is why I go to the movies is because there are some experiences that you just can't get at home and it can't replicate it. And uh, looking kind of at a lot of the most anticipated movies, like the, the thing about these lists is I sometimes struggle with these because I feel like there's always some movies that come out of nowhere. And it, it I have like kind of like that paralysis of being like, oh, I don't know if this movie is something that is going to be terrible, you know, potentially. And so kind of compiling this list, a lot of the list is blockbusters. And, you know, I think of things like Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, um, which may or may not be on our list and thinking like, will Tom Cruise be able to have the same amount of people show up? Like, will there be a Top Gun Maverick effect with the movie? I just like, I'm really curious to see where uh, the the industry is going to go on a box office level, especially when you look at something to kind of t- add a bow on it, like Babylon, that looked expensive as shit. Like every single scene, there was stuff going on in the screen where it's like, how much did this cost? Like this one shot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like, so knowing that that movie is a failure, it's like kind of just thinking about the future of movies. And, you know, I'm sure we've all seen that list that's like every franchise movie that's coming out in 2023 and it feels really bleak when you look at it but then you kind of like start to look at some of the titles and it's like okay yeah I'm kind of excited for that one okay I'll see this you know so I don't know it's gonna be interesting yeah I feel similarly where like I will say as a kind of a slight spoiler there's not a single MCU movie on my list mostly just because I've just kind of don't really care about the MCU anymore. Um, I had my awakening when I was watching the second episode of Hawkeye, and I said, "I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna do this anymore <laughs> with myself." <laughs> um, so, but at the same time, like you write, like I look at all these big, um, like these really big titles, and you know, I, like they get my juices flowing a little bit. I'm excited, you know. It really, and then you look at like there's other, there's streamers that like Apple that are just throwing crazy amounts of money at movies um like i feel like this is going to be probably the last year maybe of streamers just being like here's 200 million dollars for your passion project have fun like there will be no more white noise-esque movies after this this year is my guess or maybe like like the last gasp next year because i just think you know economy inflation who knows but they just can't, they can't afford that. So I think there is going to be like this shift back to movie theaters this year, which I'm really excited about. Um, but yeah, so I, let's, without any further ado, I say let's just kind of, let's just kind of dive right into our top 10 lists. So um, let's go, let's, let's go over to Colin. What's your number 10 for this year? So my number 10 is a short film um, that I know very little about because they've intentionally not said much about it other than the title. Um, So I think all three of us are pretty familiar with the movie Tar, uh, which just came out in, was that September, October, somewhere in there? November, something like that. November? I think it's October. Yeah. Let's let's say it was... Tar (laughs) has always existed and always will exist. Um, So the Tar universe is expanding per Todd Field with a short film called The Fundraiser. Um, I don't know what this is about, I know that it's premiering alongside a talk with Todd Field and Kate Blanchett uh, at some point this year. I don't have any other details, but I'm I'm captivated enough by Tar that if you want to throw 
some random corner of the Tar universe at me, I'll be like, yeah, let's go. And I'll watch it. I pay, you know, well, I guess I don't pay to the movies because I, you know, I have I have my A-list, but I pay money to go see <laughs> a 10 minute Tar short on the big screen. So I wonder if it would be like because there was you know, if you remember the, like the trailer for Tar, there was just a big there's a couple big scenes just that weren't in the movie. I wonder if they would do something with like that footage or something like that. Who knows? Yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering if it wasn't like a deleted scene or maybe like an alternate take of something that just didn't fit within the movie. And they were like, well, what if we repackaged this and made it its own thing? Yeah, but I don't know. More tar is great in my book. That's all I, I personally say. hope it's just a 10 minute short film of Kate Blanchett streaming Monster Hunter World. <laughs> <laughs> I guess spoilers for tar. Uh, who knows? Oh, yeah, shit. Sorry. Spoiler. <laughs> kind of. That's very vague. That's in. very vague. <laughs> That's true. Honestly, I didn't know what that meant until afterwards. I just thought the shot was still hilarious. But anyway, um, yeah, I l- listen, anything tar related. That was my one of my favorite movies this past year. So it's that's that's a great pick. But um, Spencer, we'll throw it over to you. What's your number 10? Uh, it looks like my number 10 is also Collins number nine. So I think that means I'm good to say it. And yeah, let's jump in. It is Cocaine Bear, um, which is it's the new Elizabeth Banks directed film that is very, very loosely based off a true story of a bear that ingested about 70 pounds of cocaine. <laughs> um, IRL, the bear, I believe, died. And when they performed the autopsy, its stomach was like packed with cocaine, like filled to the brim with cocaine. Uh <laughs> And this movie turns it into a monster movie. It appears from the trailer where the bear is uh, snorting coke off severed limbs and it looks amazing. The cast is great. It's uh, I believe it's the final film perform- film performance of Ray Liotta, uh, R.I.P., who is a legend, obviously. And uh, I only say that we can only hope to have as meaningful a final project as Ray Liotta does and <laughs> what I am hoping cocaine bear will be. So that's my number 10. <laughs> I'm slightly worried. Do we think that cocaine bear, um, I guess a slight joke here is like slightly from the trailer, like is like, like slightly high on its own supply. You know what I mean? Like it's, it feels like it's prepackaged to be this kind of like cult thing. And part of me is kind of like, I don't know if I'm into that or like, See, you know, I I had that same thought, but there are two names on the producer list that kind of quieted that thought for me, and that is Lord and Miller, because um, I trust oh, really? them pretty wholeheartedly. Um, I feel like they're the reason that Alden Ehrenreich is in this movie, and originally my fascination with him as an actor um, is what like brought me to understanding Cocaine Bear existed a year or two ago. Um, so I, I trust them to be on board. I feel like Elizabeth Banks she kind of gave me that feeling of this movie might be full of itself. Um, Cause I feel like her Charlie's angels was quite a bit that way, but I do trust that team and I'm very excited to see Alden Ehrenreich in his uh, comeback year. Yeah. He's in a couple movies this year, right? Isn't he? He's in Oppenheimer else? too. Oh, that's right. Well, everybody. Oh, he o- is? Oppenheimer. I yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. Literally. Everybody. And Ironheart. So he's like all over the place. Well, I think that 
I was just to say, like, it's the, on the Alden Ehrenreich topic, he was so great in Hail Caesar as the comedic so good. presence. So good. Willie Watson. And, and so, yeah, and so thinking of, like, with Cocaine Bear, the potential of him in a probably pretty comedic uh, performance makes me really excited because I also I'm an I'm an Aaron Reich fan. Yeah, I'm in I'm in for Aaron Reich. I, I mean, like the whole solo thing was just so like weird and tough, and that was coincided with a with the rough patch of just Star Wars in general. And yeah, I, I feel for that guy. I think he's super talented. Like he's a Hill Caesar is like one of the funniest big performances of the last decade in my in my personal opinion. So I'm. I'm here for it. I can't wait. I can't wait for him, his two lines in Oppenheimer as well. <laughs> uh, but we'll, um, I guess let's transition to my number 10, which is, you know, I was kind of like going back and forth in a lot of different ways in this one. I, kinda, I was looking at a few more kind of more high profile movies. Uh, then I decided to go with my gut and go with Emma Seligman's Bottoms, which is she is her sophomore feature. She is teaming up again with Rachel Sennett after Shiva Baby, which I think was 2021. Um, but that movie, just a hilarious cringe comedy. Fred Melamed was uh, Rachel Sennett's dad, which is just, you know, anytime he shows up is just the greatest thing ever. Love that man. Um, but just a truly like hilarious and like deeply cringeworthy movie that I really appreciated. I love that. I love that movie sense of humor. Um, and then Rachel Sennett just embodies bodies bodies from this past year, which is a movie I not crazy about. I, I liked it, but I wasn't like over the moon um, about it like most people were. But she is like clearly the best part of that movie, and she was so funny. Um, you know, I just I like her vision. She's like a very unique comedic presence, and I'm kind of just in for anything she does. Um, and yeah, I just I'm just very excited to see this movie. I think it's about two um, un, like unpopular queer girls who start a fight club to have sex with cheerleaders. I think that's the tagline of this movie. <laughs> so I was like, I'm sure I don't I don't even know what that means, but it's probably going to be hilarious. Um, so I'm very much in the tank for kind of both these people. So I can't I can't wait for this movie. Hell yeah, that sounds awesome. I didn't hear that one so ship baby ship a baby rules and rachel Seno is awesome so that sounds great yeah why don't we um why don't we go back to so we have collins 10 and 9 in the bag so why don't we go back to spencer for your number nine here yeah my number nine is gonna be magic mike's last dance um i am a fan of this franchise i think both the first and the second um are awesome movies for totally different reasons and i think channing tatum is incredibly charismatic and great in this role uh, i i i i'm excited for this one because steven soderborg's back in the director's chair and i think that he is an awesome director uh, I just saw the trailer in some movie that I saw, and I think it looks super fun and breezy and entertaining. So uh, I wanted to make sure Magic Mike got got his due on this podcast by putting it as my number nine. Listen, Steven Soderbergh is just out here making like two really good movies every single year, <laughs> and none of us ever talk about them. Um, 
So I love kind of what he's doing right now. And this movie looks so much fun. I'm so ready. I, I can't wait. I am right. I took my wife to a movie. I forget what it was. Um, and this came on and she could not have been more excited. So we will be there. What is it? Valentine's Day weekend, right? Yeah. 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 Which is a great release date for it. I think this movie's going to do really well. Yeah. I think it was originally supposed to go to HBO Max, too, before everything crazy with Warner Brothers Discovery happened. So I'm so happy it's in theaters. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be really fun. And it's probably going to make us like a shit ton of money. Like it will make so much money. I'm pretty sure the first two made quite a bit of money so yeah the I first one especially yes yeah the first I think one magic mike xxl made more money i think i don't know it was like ridiculously I don't have numbers on me but um, yeah yeah we'll you get it on that one to figure that out um, <laughs> you don't just keep the magic mike box office tallies on hand <laughs> you know i had like Art. i just moved so i had like a lot of post-it notes on my wall that i had to take down and one of them was the magic mike's magic box mike, office yeah. numbers um sure. apparently the last 30 minutes of this movie is a dance scene which is just incredible hell yeah so That's the 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 second one ends with a pretty extended dance sequence as well which is obviously it fucking rules it's great yeah i, I think I'm, I'm excited this is also a good uh, speaking of comebacks with Cocaine Bear, but Channing Tatum is in the middle of his comeback after, you know, being gone for forever, too. Yeah, after so. two inexplicable cameos in, <laughs> what, Free Guy and, was it Bullet Train? Dog. Was yeah, it? Bullet Train. He's oh, a yeah, dog. They, they had Dog. In The Last City, I actually kind of liked a little bit. It was a, you know, that, that's a great movie where you just get drunk at the theaters and you're like, ah, oh, that was fun. And then you never think about it ever again. Yeah, one um, of those, yep. <laughs> you know, we need more of those movies. I had a good time. Um, but yeah, I love, I love Channing. He's, he's, he's one of my favorites and I've kind of missed him for, he was like gone there for what, five years, I think. So it's really good to have him back. Yeah. From Kingsman, the golden circle until free guy, he wasn't like in an actual movie. He did voice work, but yeah, he was just gone. <laughs> All I remember from Kingsman, the golden circle was him. Like there was a disease in that movie that made him dance. Uh, yeah, he's like, barely oh, he's in that movie. Again. It's Magic Mike. He's doing the <laughs> dance. <laughs> I think he's passed out most of the movie. Are they like freezing or something like that? Something like that. I can't remember. I think the the less said about Kingsman Two, the better. Um, personally, um, so we'll move on. Uh, I guess to my number nine, which is this is really just an excuse for my Philly roots to come out. Um, this my number nine is Creed Three, um, which you know anything like rocky related i'm in like they're all the same movie at this point and i really just don't care because i just they're, they're my babies i love them um you know no no stallone this time because apparently he he just hates every producer that has had any say in these movies for <laughs> like the last couple decades so he's not coming back so um i'm actually think that's weirdly a positive in this case because i think his story in the original Creed, I think, is great. And it's like, that's one of the best blockbusters of recent memory. And then Creed 2, it kind of felt like Stallone was like, all right, Michael B., I gave you your time. Now I need to be a star again. And then all of us were like, no, Stallone, you're old. Just, like, calm down a little bit. Um, so I'm ha I'm kind of happy that his, I guess, the story will be resolved in a way. And we can kind of just focus on Michael B. And extremely, extremely swole Jonathan Majors. So I'm just, you know, just put those two together. Then they get to snarl at each other and box. Like, it's like, I don't really, that's all I need in this movie. So I'm good. And uh, Michael B. Jordan in the director's chair. 
I'm really yeah. curious yeah. to see how he does as a director. So, yeah, Creed one obviously amazing. Like I, this is kind of blasphemy to some people, but I think Creed is probably the best movie in the Rocky cinematic universe. Honestly, uh, I wouldn't argue with that. There, I think the yeah, only thing is that so the, Ro- good, the first dude. Rocky exists. That's like the one demerit against it. yeah but i yeah. i think creed's better than rocky personally but then creed 2 i feel like was a big disappointment to me um just because yeah. of how good creed 1 was uh so i'm really curious i'm definitely gonna see it see i feel like you could shuffle the first three rockies around in pretty much any order and i'd be like yeah this one's my favorite um four definitely the worst five not too no, far behind no. it four is the no, best no 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 oh no, no, my no. Gosh. Yeah, four, four is amazing four on this yeah podcast. yeah <laughs> get out colin leave pulls, the zoom he pulls drago's picture off the mirror and then his face is there it's pure cinema it's amazing he gets russia to chant usa in a boxing match colin he stops the cold war with yeah his fists. He, he, he it's incredible beats communism's ass <laughs> What about Rocky Balboa? <laughs> I forget that movie. That what happens yeah. in that? He's just old. It exists. Right? He uh, yeah. this guy <laughs> like sees that a video game Rocky beats him in a video game boxing match, and so he challenges real Rocky to a real boxing match. Is that what happens? Yeah, that's that's the plot of the movie. Oh, isn't the isn't the boxer's name in that movie like it's like Mason the Line Dixon? Yeah. Like yeah. Like, huh, interesting. You always think about like the nicknames are always like. They always like think about them really hard in the Rocky universe, but then they never really like put too much emphasis on them. Like they're kind of like, they're like, wait, what was that? What was the, what was that nickname <laughs> they just said? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I'm really excited for Creed three. Who knows if it'll be good? Um, I kind of, you know, like yeah, the first, the second one kind of was felt a little tired. Uh, it was pretty good. Like it kind of would turn into a slight parody of itself, and with like the ending and like the the training montage and through the desert and whatnot. But, you know, I feel like this one, there's a little new blood into it. You know, there's no Stallone. Jonathan Major is one of the best actors we have. So I say, why not? It'll probably be passable. And you know what? I don't, that's fine with me for these movies at this point. Um, but yeah, we'll move on. So um, who should we go to? Well, why not, Colin, why don't you give us your number eight? So this is actually the first of two times that a movie based on this book's going to pop up in my, my list. Um, and this one is kind of a wild card for me. Um, I can't say that I'm like head over heels for it, but it intrigues me enough that I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go for it. Uh, so that is Renfield, which is based off of, uh, Dracula's pawn from the book Dracula, uh, which if you didn't know is where Dracula comes from. Uh, but basically <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a twist on it. So it's like it, it follows Count Dracula's lackey. Um, in New Orleans in the modern day falling in love, but it keeps that same dynamic there where, you know, uh, Nick Cage as Dracula is, you know, controlling this person who's kind of a lunatic. Um, so I'm curious to see what they do with it, because I feel like moving it into a more modern era and making the focus not Dracula could introduce something really fun to the mix. And I, I feel like this movie probably is going to go a little bit more the comedy route. Um, it's directed by Chris McKay, who did the Lego Movie too. So, or sorry, and the your Lego Batman movie, movie of twenty twenty, <laughs> the Tomorrow War, and the Tomorrow War. Um, <laughs> so I'm hoping this goes for a little bit more of like a bonkers parody type vibe, um, but we'll see. I th- I just I think Nick Cage's Dracula is 
just a fantastically chaotic choice, and I can't wait to see it. Plus, he's in New Orleans, so he just got to stay home, you know? A little home turf filming. That was probably good for him as well. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by this movie. It's also, I think it's written by the guys who do that. Is it Invincible? Is that show on Prime? I the believe so. Um, it's so, the Walking I, Dead guy too, I think. Yeah. So I think there. I think you're right. There is going to be a like a like a like maybe like a satire or like a absurdist comedy element to this thing, which think which is I think is really interesting. I think Nicholas Holt is in this movie too. Aquafina. Yeah, he plays the titular Renfield. Ben Schwartz uh, is in this movie. Love him. Taking a yeah, break from uh, being Sonic, so that's good. Yeah, I'm curious about this one. This is one of those I saw where I was like, this could either be pure shit or I could like fall in love with this movie just because of I just kind of love current stage of Nick Cage where he's at in his career. I feel like he's kind of got the like the direct to VOD like dumpster garbage out of his system a little more in the past couple of years. And he's just kind of teaming with people who have interesting ideas and how to like use him as an actor. So I'm kind of really I'm I'm curious. I'm very, very curious. Um, but yeah, we'll move on. I see that um, kind of the next one on the list for both you guys is a little higher on my list. So we'll kind of we'll skip around a little bit. So we're going to go to my number eight, uh, which is Steve, McQueen, Steve McQueen's Blitz, which is, I guess, yeah, it's just a movie about the Blitz <laughs> during World <laughs> War. Um, pretty self-explanatory. I don't think there's any other information about this movie. I think it was written based on a book written by his wife, if I believe. Um, but yeah, Steve McQueen, one of my favorite directors, um, the small act series that came out on prime was at 2020. Um, it was like one of the best achievements in film in like a really long time. It was just five amazing movies from Steve McQueen and nobody talked about it. I think like three of them were in my top 10 list that year. Um, you know, he's just like, he's just one of the best and like, you know, like widow, widows rules, like everything, like everything he makes just like, I really love. So just anything that he's making, I'm just kind of in for, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about else about this movie, but I'm there. I'm here for it. Yeah. The only reason this one isn't on my list is because I saw it was on yours. Uh, I basically agree with everything you say. I think Steve McQueen is a legitimately incredible filmmaker. I've loved basically all of his movies. Um, I think I've seen all of them too. So uh, yeah. And I'm glad you're a fellow widow's lover. I feel like that's the one that some people kind of, you know, they're like, oh, that one didn't really work for me. And I'm like, what it is so good? So, yeah, <laughs> that movie rips so hard. I think I watched that like yeah. once a year with my wife and both of us just turned to each other like this movie's fucking sick. I love it. And like you just think of the shot from kind of the car shot with Farrell in the back oh, of the dude. car. It's just so it's, good. It's yeah. incredible. And it's like some of the best filmmaking and great character oh. work. It's just, I don't know. Just, it was, it's, it, it's awesome. It's one of the first movies before Tenet that let Elizabeth Debicki be tall. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. She's great a, in the movie. Too. It was a pioneer. It really was. Yeah. <laughs> Trailblazer. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know, fully in the tank for Steve McQueen. So just, yeah me his movies um spencer why don't we go to you for your number seven here yeah i'm gonna uh kind of spoil something i'm stunned this isn't on anyone else's list uh it is of course dune part two Dune. um <laughs> yeah i i mean 
this movie is a sure thing to be amazing just like the first one was i am a book reader i've read dune i love dune um so i of course am dying to watch this movie i think this movie is going to be really interesting uh in kind of comparison to the first movie the first movie is kind of much more you know kind of political and table setting and this one's going to be much more on the spectacle side of things which i'm really curious to see um how denis villeneuve is gonna kind of handle some of this some of this uh incredible massive epic scale stuff and um i think that the once again the cast returning is awesome and i just i have no doubt that this movie is going to rule like it's going to be awesome and i know everyone knows it's going to be awesome so this is kind of just me here saying yeah dune's gonna rule <laughs> i think the only reason it's not on my list or close to it was because i figured it would be in both of your guys's lists so who knows maybe that was colin's issue as well yeah, I definitely knew this would be on Brennan's list if he had been in the pod, and so I was like, I'm gonna hold off on that one. <laughs> <laughs> give him, give him the moment for that one. It's weird that that you you say Spencer that like that the second one will be the spectacle version of Dune because I felt like the first one was like like amazing in that sense, which kind of is like like what is gonna be in this movie? Like I might my mind just like might melt watching this. Um. Yeah, I just like this is kind of one of those where you just buy an IMAX ticket and just sit like up close and just Yeah, you have to. You have to go see this in like the biggest screen possible. It's it's the classic uh example of a movie that has to be seen in a movie theater. Uh we kind of that's part of the conversation recently with Avatar, The Way of Water, and uh Dune is in that same ilk, I suppose. Yeah, it's Yeah, I think so. It's interesting because I feel like the streaming bit with the first Dune, because that was in the wave of H everything going to HBO Max. I think that weirdly helped it for this go around because everyone just kept watching and watching it. So I feel like it's always just like people are always talking about it. And it actually made a good amount of money at the box office that year, too. So I feel like it could be like a crazy smash. I don't know like how much money it would be, but I feel like it will like vastly outperform the first movie, even like when you like take in like pandemic considerations and whatnot. Yeah, and I think the first Dune, because there was, like, a little bit of time where we thought that, like, the world was back to normal and movies com were coming back, and you had, like, Black Widow that came out, and then everyone was like, no, go back inside, and then you had a bunch of flops, and then Dune was a part of that wave that, like, kicked it back up again. And, like, 400 million in, you know, a heavy COVID year is, a heavy COVID year with same-day streaming is pretty impressive. Yeah. Dune's good. That's my take. It's a good movie. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll move on from there. Um, I think let's go to my number seven next, based on how our lists are kind of lining up here. Um, my number seven is Infinity Pool from Brandon Cronenberg, which uh, comes out in just a few weeks. So January 27th, I believe, right after it premieres at Sundance. Um, listen, possessor just kind of like tore my face off with how cool that movie was <laughs> i don't know what to say i feel like i'm just like a white guy who likes possessor a lot that not really <laughs> just uncomplicatedly liking that movie um so he is i think he's kind of like established himself as 
like certainly he takes a lot a lot after uh, David Cronenberg's dad in a lot of senses like with like the body horror and whatnot but I think there's like a there's like an element of like extremism to his movies that I think is like vastly different than a lot of Cronenberg movies and it's kind of like you just kind of grip your seat and hold on for dear life with some of the visuals and whatnot um so yeah Possessor it was like one of my favorite Sundance screenings I think that was like a couple years ago 2019 maybe or 2020 that was just so cool just to see that movie and have no idea what's happening in it um so infinity pool is his next movie with alexander skarsgård and mia goth so fresh off of i guess two two like the uh what is it the pearl and x for mia goth and she's gonna have maxine <laughs> later this year so it's kind of like she's in like a big way uh like i guess wave up and then skarsgård fresh off of the northman just continuing to punish himself for cool filmmakers i'm here for it um, so yeah, Infinity Pool. Just I'm. Just, I can't wait. This is uh, an honorable mention for me. Um, I'm actually dying to see this movie, but it's like since it's so close, that's one of the reasons why I didn't choose it to be on my list. And I actually also figured Nick would put it on his <laughs> list, so I was banking <laughs> on that. Um, you know yeah, me too easily. No, yeah, uh, I'm like a huge david cronenberg fan so i think like when i say that brandon cronenberg i feel like is like you know kind of like a worthy next member of the family in the filmmaking world that's pretty big praise for me and same possessor like totally melted my face off as well i don't see how you could watch that movie and not be completely just like fucked up from it um so yeah I am really curious. I don't know anything about this movie. I'm actually avoiding anything about it because I don't want to know anything about it before I see it, uh, just so I can be as probably disturbed and troubled as I was after I saw Possessor the first time. Yeah, I, unfor- I unfortunately watched the trailer. I was just too excited, um, <laughs> but it did nothing to limit my excitement. I'm ready to go for this movie. Um, yeah, I think... So let's move on. I think so. Spencer and I actually share the same number six. So why don't we go there next? And that's going to be uh, Ari Aster's Bo is Afraid, the apparently decades spanning at one point four hour cut movie starring Joaquin Phoenix about a, a tech entrepreneur. And that's kind of just all we know about it. Um, it was originally titled Disappointment Boulevard, which, if I'm being honest, I think I like that title a little a little more. I would have put maybe if this was still Disappointment Boulevard, maybe this is my number four most anticipated movie. Who's to say? Um, <laughs> it's just I don't know. It's Ari Aster and Joaquin Phoenix, which kind of just seems like a, like a hilariously good combo. <laughs> I don't know. Like it just it'll just be. I have, apparently this movie is like a an absurdist horror like horror comedy. I guess is how they're describing it. So I don't even know what that means. And but you know. I feel like Ari Oster is like, he's one of those guys. Like he is one of like the next wave of great filmmakers. So, you know, he's, he's appointment viewing for me at this point. And I think him and like the absurdity of his horror, I think is like amazing, like compared with Joaquin Phoenix. So I I just can't wait for this thing. Yeah. I really like the supporting cast in it too. Cause you've got like Nathan Lane is in there. Amy Ryan is in there. So you have a lot of like, comedy heavy hitters michael gandolfini's in there which will be cool to see him in a non-sopranos role um just to see like what kind of chops he has outside of that yeah i like him he's also in another movie i think 
this year or next year. He's he's got it. I think. I don't. I I have I have like conflicting feelings about what was the what was the Sopranos movie? Oh, the Many, Many Saints, Saints of Newark. But I thought he was awesome in it, and he like weirdly played his dad, and it didn't feel like a caricature. It felt like really like good and lived in. So I, I, he's I think he's gonna be. But same with like Cooper Hoffman. I think both of those guys are like maybe the next generation after whatever the current generation is of people. So, yeah. Uh, no, I'm so pumped for Poe is Afraid. I uh, I also am a huge fan of Ari Aster, and so it's like that's why this is on the list. It's doing the heavy lifting. Um, it sounds crazy. Like the other day, I saw a tweet from Flying Lotus who is like kind of like an interesting horror filmmaker in his own right, saying that the script for Bo is Afraid is the most insane script he's ever read. And he's <laughs> yes. a guy who like writes only the most insane shit ever. So uh yeah, unless I so they solved the runtime dispute because I know he was like in a big conflict with A24 regarding the runtime. So have they like released how long this movie's gonna be? I have no idea. I know that like for Hereditary and Midsommar, he was like, yeah, I had a three and a half hour cut of both of these movies yeah. and A24 wouldn't let me release it. And I'm like, yeah, that kind of makes sense <laughs> from like any like, like budget or like, like economics reason you could think of. Um, yeah, but, but both those know. movies did super well. So I don't know if he has like more, I guess, you know, like poll to be like, hey, like this movie is going to be three hours long to them. And then he's got like a heavy hitter, like, Go ahead. No, I was just saying with like a, a you know, an, an actor like Joaquin Phoenix in the in the lead role, you got some, I guess you got some, you know, big names to back you up if you if you need it, I guess. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if it's like 240, something like that, somewhere in that range. Like they're they're probably gunning for like less than three hours. Cause I feel like you see the three hour time stamp on something and it immediately turns people off. You just, you know, Babylon. Listen to the first five minutes of this Avatar. podcast where we just lost our minds. <laughs> Avatar, one point five billion. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but that's that's Big Dick Jim, you know. That's different. That's just the whole yeah, different true. thing, okay. you know. Um, yeah, I I can't wait for this movie. Apparently, this was like the script that Ari Aster has been like trying to make for years, and like obviously, like for how insane it, it apparently is, no one would be like, no one would do it. And then he made he made Hereditary, then immediately made Midsommar after that. Um, so I think he's finally like. I wonder if this is his Babylon, <laughs> you know, he's just like putting all the chips in for his bizarro so, movie. That's like weirdly too expensive, but also incredible in its own way. Um, so who knows? I, yeah, I just can't wait for it. I think it'll be like truly one of like the, like the holy shit movies of the year. Like, like yeah, a singular this, thing. This is like, this is the movie that's going to get the F cinema score, be the most polarizing movie of the year. Yeah. And, and that gets me a. so excited every time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be like our favorite of the year and everyone else is like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> It'll probably be one of those where you read like the Google reviews and they're like, it's like one star and it's like, this movie doesn't make sense or nothing happens. And you're like, yeah, yes, I love, I love this. This is just giving me joy. <laughs> but yeah. Um, how about Colin? Why don't we go to you for num- for your number six? So my number six is, uh, I think, the only Marvel property on this list, and that's uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So it's it's been a while since Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 
and it looks like they're just kind of going nuts with it. Um, so I think I like so they're bringing back the main cast. I don't think they've said whether like um, Nick Cage or John Mulaney are coming back as Spider-Man Noir or Spider-Pig. Uh, but pretty much any Spider-Man interpretation you can ever think of is in this movie, which I think will be pretty wild. Um, Oscar Isaac's playing his third Marvel character as Spider-Man 2099. <laughs> um, but, you know, after watching the first Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, I kind of trust the Lord and Miller team to just do whatever and succeed. And I think they're going to do it again. I think it's definitely going to go nuts with Spider-People. Um, but I think there could be a lot of fun in that and just the way they're bringing in like really stupid IP like PS1 Spider-Man with PS1 graphics and stuff like that. I think they're just going to have a lot of fun with playing with all these Spider-Men. Um, and Miles was a really interesting character in the first one and I'm excited to see how they kind of grow that side of the character again five years later. Yeah, this was on my list and I saw it was on yours so I took it off at the last second just for, you know whatever um but i can't yeah i'm look, really looking forward to this movie I haven't watched the trailer because you know i was like i loved the last movie i was like i don't really care i was i don't need to see a trailer i'll just be there whenever it comes out and i'll be really excited so i really can't wait i'm like 99 certain that i'm gonna like this movie but i think it speaks to how fatigued of marvel i am that yeah like i can't bring myself to get super excited <laughs> for this and i know it's like a completely different ball of wax but yeah just i don't know man like i'm, I'm hoping that it blows me away yeah i kind of feel like for as like fatigued as i do feel with marvel stuff you know it's lord of the miller i feel like Sony for as like shitty as like Morbius or probably <laughs> Craven will be uh, this year. Um, you know, they're just, I feel like they just kind of let like weirdly Sony is a like, good sometimes where if like they have like good producers in place and a good director, they kind of just let them do their thing. And it turns out to be a really good movie. Um, so that's kind of how I feel about this one. Like, I feel like it's like totally separate from all of like the other bullshit that goes on with, you know, like Aaron Taylor Johnson doing Craven or whatever the hell he's doing, going to be doing in that movie. So I don't know. I think that another element of it is like, you're, you're on a podcast, Nick, with the two people on the planet who were disappointed by Spider-Man no way home. Yeah. And it's like, I'm still, I kind of feel like reeling from that <laughs> giant disappointment of a movie. Yeah. On that podcast, I was like, yeah, I kind of liked it. And then Colin was like, here's why this destroyed everything. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to let, I'm gonna let I this hate, guy cook. For I hate second. that movie with a passion. <laughs> yeah. So I'm hoping like, I've only grown to hate it more. The meme. It was great. <laughs> um, it's weird how like I hate most of that shit. And then with that movie, I was like, ah, it's pretty fun. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was the Marvel one show. where like <laughs> yeah. The roles were reversed. <laughs> it really it's, was. It's the one time in this podcast where I came in and was like, you know, this blockbuster, not too bad. <laughs> it really soured the MCU for me. Like I haven't, I haven't been as forgiving to it Same. since then. Same. I feel yeah. like I, me and Colin have DM'd each other and just bitched and moaned. <laughs> I don't even know how many times since that movie. Well, that's great for you too. I'm happy that you guys are, have found each other. <laughs> Thanks, um, Nick. Why don't we move on? I feel like let's move on to my number five because it was lower on both of your you guys' lists. But let's um, – I would like five tickets for Barbie, please. Um, that's oh, my number yeah. five. Uh, keep bringing on those memes. Like they're never not funny. 
of the Sopranos and Polly Walnuts asking for a, a, a ticket to Barbie is that they're all so funny to me. And, you know, I just can't wait for this movie. It looks hilarious. And this is one of these, it was one of these um, instances where I was like, oh shit, this movie's going to make a lot of money. And I was talking to my father-in-law and he likes movies, doesn't really go to the theater very often. Um, we, went, we like went out to dinner like the, the day or so after that trailer dropped. And he was like, that movie looks kind of fun, huh? And I was like, <laughs> oh shit, this movie's going to make so much money. <laughs> so I like this movie, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if it made more money than Oppenheimer because they come out the same weekend, right? I wouldn't be shocked if one of them moved their release date either uh, from now until then. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, Barbie looks hilarious. Just everything Ryan Gosling looks like he's going to be doing in this movie looks wonderful to me. Very much in the bag for Margot Robbie. I think she's great. Um, yeah, Greta Gerwig. She's one of the best working filmmakers. You know, it's just kind of like this movie looks hilarious and I'm just very ready for it. Yeah, and I love just like how fun the trailer was without giving you really any details of what this movie is going to be about. It kind of gave you every detail about what this movie is going to be about, just style and feel wise. And yeah, I think... I think it's going to be a good time. It's it's really interesting to see a movie like this because, um, I mean, we've seen toys turned into movie quite a bit before. And I think very easily Barbie could have been made with the same level of care as Battleship from 2013. Uh, but they put Greta Gerwig behind the wheel. So I'm excited to see what happens. And Noah Baumbach helping to write, too. You know, <laughs> it's just like it's incredible. I was watching... Um, that variety actors on actors series. And there was one episode that got uploaded. It was Magarabi and, and Carrie Mulligan. And they started talking about like Barbie at one point. And all Carrie Mulligan could say was how like fucking brilliant um, Barbie was. Cause apparently I think Emerald Fennell is like mutual friend and whatnot. And she directed um, Carrie Mulligan on um, what was that movie called? I like that movie a lot. Yeah. yeah Promising a woman. Yeah. I was like, why can't I think of that? Um, but she, I think she's apparently in the movie and she was like, this movie's fucking brilliant. And they like, they couldn't stop talking about it for like five minutes. And I was like, oh, okay. So everyone is kind of like in the bag for this movie. Um, it seems like so. Um, and like Greta Gerwig is like, like she is like the, per like the best match for like, kind of like a fun whimsical, um, kind of tone. Like some of like the funniest laughs are just kind of like offhanded, like bubbly things that people do in Lady Bird that I've had like in the last, like, you know, 10 years or whatever of movies. Um, so I just, yeah, I just can't, just can't wait. She just, she's the best. So. Yeah. You guys keep saying Greta Gerwig, Greta Gerwig. All I see is Jesus Christ. I fucking <laughs> love Greta Gerwig. She's literally one of my favorite filmmakers that like probably at this point ever, like with two movies between Lady Bird and Little Women, I would put Lady Bird probably in my top like three favorite coming of age films ever and so this was honestly like gunning to be way higher on my most anticipated list but i also kind of assume that everyone is kind of super excited for this in this group um and i'm going to spoil something right now and say I don't see Oppenheimer on anybody else's list. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> yeah, that, I think that shows you that Barbie is going to be a massive, massive hit. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the highest grossing movie of next year or this year. 
Ooh, I like it. Dang. I would. It's gonna do crazy good. Like I think, just like it seems like everybody is like of all age groups, whatever is like, yeah, this movie looks fun. Like there's like people don't really have any complicated feelings about it, so it's just I don't know. Yeah, I we literally. Like we literally have three 20 something males here talking about how excited they are for this movie. Like how, what more do you need to know? And yeah, you bringing up the anecdote with your, I think you said father-in-law who was yeah. saying it. Yeah. It's like, I think that this movie's got a mass appeal. Um, and I'm, I can't wait for it. I'm super excited. Yeah. Just, I'm just over here thinking about when, um, the dad comes home in little women and I'm just in you know, a puddle of tears. And it's just, you know, it's just, it's just great. She's the best. I love her. She's, She's got the stuff. Dude, if She's Bob awesome. Odenkirk also played a Ken, I would go nuts. I think it would be the greatest movie ever made if that were to happen. <laughs> five stars on Letterboxd immediately if that happens. The first film to get only five stars on Letterboxd. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, yeah, Colin, let's, I'm looking at your list. We're going to save your number five for quite a while. Um, I can't so imagine why. Don't why. We, <laughs> why don't we go over it, uh, Spencer, for your number five? Yeah, my number five is the Ridley Scott film Napoleon. And um, I am kind of Ridley Scott's hype man, I feel like. like he He's a filmmaker who I think is vastly underrated, even though everyone knows that he's like a great filmmaker. You know what I mean? Like he's he's made some movies that like rank among my favorite movies of all time like of course alien is one everyone always brings up but like kingdom of heaven director's cut i think might be one of the best historical epics ever made oh you're one of those guys i love it (laughs) yeah it's amazing so uh whenever he does a historical epic you know a couple years ago we had the last duel um i think it was 2021 uh that movie kicks so much ass it's so awesome and uh, it was super, super underrated, and obviously it was kind of a flop at the box office. Um, so just seeing his name attached to another historical epic, like knowing that it very well might flop as well, it just gets me excited. Like I'm just like, yeah, like anytime he does a historical epic, I feel like I have to, I have to voice my excitement for it. So that's Napoleon which is my number five. <laughs> yeah, if he has a good script, he makes just, like, really amazing movies. I feel like he is always kind of, like, he really does rise or fall on the strength of whatever script he has because he's, you know, he has, like, his background is was, like, art direction before he ever did, did directing, so he's obviously, like, all of his movies look amazing. And, yeah, if you give him a good script, he'll just, he just shoots the script and, you know, it turns into an alien or one of his other, like, a million great movies, so... Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this one. A big year for Joaquin, too. Also amazing casting as Napoleon. Like, if you were to think of, like, if you were to close your eyes and think of any other, like, big-name actor to play Napoleon, like, you would you would pick Joaquin. Like, it's just, like, perfect. Andy's reuniting with him because, of course, uh, Joaquin Phoenix was in Gladiator, which actually I think is incredibly overrated, and I don't really like Gladiator. It's <laughs> uh, my hot take. But uh, I'm right there yeah, with you, really- by the way. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I can't wait for this movie. And Vanessa Kirby as Josephine, which I think also worth a note. Yeah, um, I'm, which, I'm here for anything Vanessa Kirby does, which is we'll talk about another movie that she's I think, in. 
later this, I think later in this pod. Her and Joaquin is like a romantic pairing is kind of interesting, but I feel like it gives a lot of the uh, like tumultuous. Like I feel like them together could be the weird couple that you know anyone who was in a relationship with Napoleon or <laughs> uh, like the actual. If you ever look into like the actual relationship that he and Josephine has, I'm like, yeah, no, this makes perfect sense now. But like if this was just any other random movie and I'd be like, these two are playing the love interest. I don't get it. But no, it makes makes great sense. Wasn't Jodie Comer supposed to be in that role? And then she dropped out for whatever reason. I, I that was the case. Because so. because I think Ridley Scott really liked working with her on The Last Duel. Um, but yeah, I, Vanessa Kirby, like she makes Tom Cruise like like fun in fallout you know because he's just like tom cruise action man but he comes alive whenever <laughs> he's talking to vanessa kirby so i you know she's just she's fantastic so i think with that we'll move on to kind of a few things here that we want to save for later but well why, why don't we go to your number four next so my number four um is a movie that's also been pushed back like even Aside from its first delay, this was originally supposed to come out the same day as The Matrix Revolutions and is now our revolutions. Resurrections. Uh, <laughs> My bad. Yeah, this movie was actually pushed back from 2003. Um, no, so this was originally supposed to come out uh, with Matrix Resurrections, um, and that is the other big Keanu franchise, John Wick Chapter 4. Um, I just want to say that the first like half hour of John Wick 3 Parabellum is probably my favorite 30 minutes that have ever been like filmed and edited together because every time John Wick kills a guy, you're like, there's no way he can kill a guy in just a crazier way. And then like two seconds later, he's like having a horse kick somebody's head in or like making someone stab themselves in the head with their own knife while they're in a gun shop. Just crazy it's stuff incredible. over and over again. Um, so yeah, I'm the first guy he kills. I think he kills with a fucking book, right? <laughs> He kills Bobine. It's the best. The, be- yeah. the basketball player. Yeah, the best. It's incredible. Player, yeah. Former six are great. Just dies with a book. To <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> um, and so, like, I have no doubt that the action in here is just going to be insane. And then I think the the biggest, like, addition that, that's going to really set this apart from the others is that it has Donnie Yen. Um also playing a blind guy like he did in Rogue One. Um, oh, is he blind which, again? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> but, like, I cannot wait to see those two, like, beat each other with sticks or books or scrolls or whatever <laughs> non-traditional weapon they want to hit each other with. It's just going to be amazing. There's that one part in the trailer where John Wick has, like, the nunchuck or, like, whatever the fuck that is and he just keeps bashing that guy's head. And I'm like, <laughs> this is just amazing. I love this. <laughs> just, just give me more of this. Um, yeah, I love all these movies. I have, a, have them all in my Blu-ray collection. Um, you know, I kind of just... I feel like at this point, it's like I know what I'm getting with these movies, so I didn't put it in my top ten, but I will, like, love the, the shit out of this movie um, very much. Plus, you got Bill Skarsgård as the villain, as the main villain, it looks like, in this one. Yeah. Which is incredible, and I think he's doing some kind of accent, which is just like, you know, sure, sounds great. Um, so, yeah, just, yeah. John Wick 4. Looks great. Yeah, I only didn't put this one in because I figured somebody else would play it. It was a gamble once again. But, uh, yeah, the John Wick movies, they're the coolest shit you've ever seen while you're watching them. And then you walk out and you're like, yeah, that movie was 
the greatest thing I've ever watched. <laughs> and uh, I feel like this movie is going to be no different. Like Colin said, like uh, there's stretches or kills in these movies that like I think about years after the fact. Like still, <laughs> like I'm still thinking about it. Like uh, the great pencil kill in John Wick Chapter 2. Um, it's like, yeah, the I, I think these movies are really fun. They're inventive. Keanu Reeves is one of my favorite actors. I'm like, unironically, I think he's a great actor. So yeah, I can't wait for John Wick Chapter 4. One of my favorite things ever in these movies is in 2, where um, Keanu Reeves and Common are just like shooting the the guns like through the subway with the with the silencers on and it's, it's just pew best. pew and like yeah. hitting like all the comms it's so good it's so so good yeah i can't wait for this movie it's gonna be fun i think march right is when it comes out so we don't have to wait too long either um, yeah so sounds right march yeah yeah i i just can't wait these movies are great it's just it's just insane and like you're never ready for what all happens you just know that like you're gonna be thrilled even if it's like the same story every time <laughs> Yeah, I don't really care about, like, any of, like, the the high-table nonsense that they throw into these movies. Like, they're really just an excuse to, like, get what to whatever set is coming next. So, the I don't lore care. of John Wick rules. Stop. <laughs> well, it's going to expand. It's going to expand again. The universe is expanding with, um, what is it, Ballerina? Is that Anna de Armas movie that's going to happen? Yeah. The hierarchy of power in the high table is about to change. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Nick. <laughs> well, you know, like... It seems like the rules change all the time. Like, there are no other rules. And then, apparently, there are rules, and he can get out, and then he sees Angelica Houston, and then she saves the day for him, you know? It's, I'm just saying. I don't... I don't. I, I, come, I come with love, you know? But I'm just here for him to kick someone in the face with a horse. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, yeah, we were kind of... I want to save a few of these. So, Colin, why don't we go ahead to your three back-to-back here? All right. Um, so this is one that I didn't see on anybody else's list, and I also kind of forgot it was coming up. And then I was like, I when I when I added Renfield to my list, I was like, wait, there's another Dracula, if I remember right. Um, so this is another interpretation of Dracula. But what I really really like about this movie, which I should probably say the title of, is the Last Voyage <laughs> of the Demeter, is like in most of the Dracula interpretations, like the big ones, like classic. Um, my personal favorite is the uh, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing version. Uh, but even going like further than that, back into the 30s, um, everyone kind of skips this part of the book, which is the fact that Dracula is like on a boat and kills everybody on the boat and then pulls into London, turns into a cloud and then flies away. Um, and this movie instead of ignoring that part of the book that everyone always skips in the movie adaptations, decides to make the entire movie off of this one chapter from the novel, uh, which I think is going to be really cool because Dracula is not the main character, the usual main characters of Dracula adaptations um, being Jonathan Harker, who usually gets killed off for stupid reasons or being Van Helsing um, aren't here because they weren't in the book yet. And so this is focusing on the like the boat captain and the boat captain's first mate, who's played by David Desmalchian, which uh, I really oh, he's just guy. a weird guy. You love that guy. I love that guy. He's just a weird <laughs> dude. <laughs> Every role he's been in. Uh, but he's one of the main characters in this movie. Um, Corey Hawkins is like a doctor on board the Demeter. Um, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun because it is taking this really interesting part of 
Dracula because like a lot of the uh, limitations that Dracula has in the novel are kind of fleshed out in this chapter because um, like he has to sleep in his own surface. He can't cross bodies of water on his own. There's just weird stuff like that that Bram Stoker was like, obviously this is what vampires deal with. Um, but this is like the chapter in the book where a lot of those get fleshed out. So it'll be really cool to see something that plays with Dracula's limitations um, while also focusing on characters who um, are going to be pretty expendable if it follows on, on track with the story. Um, so I'm really excited. You know, this movie could absolutely suck and be nothing. Um, but I think it'll be fun. It's directed by the guy who did Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which for being a PG kids movie was like horrifying. Um, so I'm excited to see that element to it. I feel like it, it sounds like it's kind of like a like a Michael Myers situation, but with Dracula on yeah. a boat, which is like, ah, that sounds pretty fun. I'm in. <laughs> so it's more like Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, Nick. Sure. <laughs> boat? What a, yeah. Whatever. I, don't, I actually haven't seen that movie. I've Colin. only seen two. Two Friday, Friday or no, 13th. I think I might have only seen the original. I don't know if I've seen any where Jason oh is it actually gets a Jason. Lot better. It gets a lot better. <laughs> do we just do a live pod where we binge all of them? It's <laughs> 20, like what, 28 hours long, just of us just sitting here? Just wait till we get to the seventh, which introduces telekinesis into the series. <laughs> which is, is, <laughs> Not it six, is it six where they bring him back with electrocution? Isn't he like a demon spawn at some point? Yeah, six. Yeah, six is where it's it's a lightning bolt that goes into a rod that's impaled the corpse of Jason. That uh, he the guy digs up. I can't think of his name. I think it's Tommy Wallace. That he digs up uh, for no apparent reason other than to make sure he's dead, and then he brings him back to life. <laughs> it's, it's really silly, but Friday the Thirteenth Part Six is the best Friday the Thirteenth movie by a mile. Got I'm it. calling so the, la the last voyage of the Dem of the Demeter equals <laughs> what Friday the Thirteenth Six. Got it. No, Part Eight. Part Eight. Part Eight. Sorry, can't keep, can't keep track. Sorry. Listen, <laughs> David Dasmalchian is also having a year because he's also an Oppenheimer and an Ant Man in the Wasp Quantumania. So, oh, my guy's just out here becoming a star. Colin is Was he Dracula your favorite before book? this? Wait, what? <laughs> Is Dracula your favorite book? Uh, no, but the second I, Dracula movie. Like, of all of like the classic, like monsters of that era, that is my favorite. And I did also reread Dracula like a month and a half ago, so that's still pretty fresh in my brain. It's on your mind. Okay. Um, gotcha. but yeah, I don't, I don't know why twenty twenty three became the year of Dracula. These things just happen sometimes. Isn't there like a? Like a like a Nosferatu movie coming out from Robert Eggers sometime soon. You know what? Dude, I think you're right. I'm so excited. Yes, it's coming. It's coming. I'm so and it's, and it's Bill Skarsgård as Nosferatu. Yeah, let's yeah, go. It's gonna be let's the go. best. Like if I, you're talking about the most anticipated movie that I am aware of. That's pretty high up there. Like, not counting years. Yeah, is it supposed to come out? For That's next year, right? That's why I didn't include it. Nicholas Holt also in that movie. Maybe Nicholas Holt is the one with the Dracula obsession. Maybe. Uh, kind of like a ghoulish, lanky guy. I feel like it works, <laughs> you know? But he's not he likes playing food Nosferatu. from the menu. You know? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> um, let's see here. Why don't we do... Um, I 
feel like Spencer, why don't we go to year three? Because year four is kind of what we want to save for later. So let's do year number three next. My number three is one I'm stunned not to see on anybody else's list um, because it's the new film by Hayao Miyazaki and it is How Do You Live? And uh, I feel like Hayao Miyazaki, from all the interview clips I've seen from him like recently, he's in like the point in his career, kind of like when um, Kurosawa made things like Redbeard and uh, Ikaru, where they're very kind of focused on their own mortality. And I think that Hayao Miyazaki's one of the great filmmakers, uh, probably the best uh, animation filmmaker who's ever lived. So I'm very, very excited for this movie. I can't wait for it. And I think there is a legitimate chance that this could be my favorite movie of the year, uh, just because of like knowing these these elements of it and knowing how much I love uh, basically every single one of his other movies. So is this the part of the podcast where I, I tell myself and say I've never seen a Miyazaki movie? Well, yeah, I it is. Okay. I guess so. I don't know what to say. Yeah, you, you didn't have to do yourself like this. Yeah, yeah, it's a big hole for me. Um, I feel like I need to do some kind of marathon before this movie comes out. But um, yeah, basically everyone like you who's like seen any of his movies are like, this is one of the best living filmmakers ever. Um, so, or I guess it doesn't make sense, best living filmmakers ever. But here we are. Um, <laughs> I got what you meant. <laughs> yeah, we got it. We got it. We're we're there. We're in the second hour of this podcast. We're we're you know we're we're making it go. Uh, but so I think I this is one where I will I will do my own research before watching this movie. <laughs> Sounds independent thinker there. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't say I've done a lot of Miyazaki either. Um, but I've at least seen some, so I'm I'm sitting slightly above Nick on that one. Okay, well, oh, that was now I know why it's not on anyone's <laughs> list. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, well, I I promise to watch one of his movies before that movie comes out. I swear, uh, you have my word. Until I forget, we'll see. Um, All right, so next. I think, so we're up to year number two, Spencer, which is also my four. So why don't we do that? So that is going to be um, a movie that I've kind of been anticipating for years now. It feels like it's kind of been in the ether and people have said it's done and we've kind of been waiting for it. But that is Jonathan Glazer's The Zone of Interest, which is his first movie since Under the Skin. And that was, what, 2014? So about nine years Um he takes a really long time to make his movies, and they're all kind of amazing. And, you know, Under the Skin is one of the most horrifying, eerie movies of the 2010s. And, yeah, I think this movie, there's really not much we know about it at this point. I think it takes place in Auschwitz, so it's going to be light viewing, certainly. Um, yeah, it's probably just going to be some psychological freakout movie, and it's going to be incredible. Um, and, yeah, John, I'm very much in the bag for Jonathan Glazer. I think he's one of our like best filmmakers so i just you know when he when he makes a movie i kind of just don't need to know what it's about you just i just go and see it if by chance there's anybody listening to the words coming out of my mouth right now or whether they're on this podcast or listening through their chosen podcast nobody's nobody's listening nobody's (laughs) listening not anybody 
but if you haven't seen Under the Skin, um, I legitimately think that's one of the best movies of the 21st century. Like, I think it's a science fiction masterpiece that belongs in the same breath as something like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, it's completely brilliant. Like, uh, I've seen that movie probably at least, at least like eight or nine times, uh, just because I'm like so obsessed with it. Um, so yeah, knowing that Jonathan Glazer, this is his follow-up, uh, feature length follow-up. He's done a couple of short films and like music videos since then, but, uh, yeah, it immediately rockets this almost to the top of my list. Cause it's my number two, not my number one. Uh, and yeah, so I legitimately can't wait for this movie. It doesn't matter what it would have been. Like it can be about anything and I'd be immediately just dying to see it. Um, so yeah, the zone of interest. Yeah, we'll see what it's about, but I don't care at this point. <laughs> um, I don't care at all. Are you a Jonathan Glazer guy, Colin? I am just now adding under the skin to my list, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> oh my god, Colin. Hey, I'm fixing it. It's okay. it's on my watch list now. Yeah. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> it's right underneath the 50 Sean Connery movies he wants to rewatch again and do go through his entire filmography so he'll get there in 2025 so <laughs> yeah i can't we can't, can't wait for that movie so um we're still gonna hold on to my number three for for now so um why don't we go to colin why don't we go to year number two coming up here all right so this one was kind of back and forth between number one and number two for me. Um, as much as I love Sean Connery, there is one franchise that he was in that I trust wholeheartedly. This is my favorite franchise, and that's uh, Indiana Jones. So he's coming back for one last, one last time um, with not Steven Spielberg at the helm, which I was a little apprehensive of at first, but I, I trust James Mangold pretty wholeheartedly uh, doing Logan and then backing it up with the ultimate dad movie, Ford v. Ferrari. Ah, I'm pretty confident. <laughs> I'm pretty confident this movie is going to be pretty to look at um, and also pretty well-grounded. And it'll be fun. They're bringing a lot of the old gang back together. John Rice davies is back as Sala. Uh, Harrison Ford at 80, however many years old, is coming back as Indy. Um, there's rumors that Karen Allen's coming back uh, to play Marion one more time. Um, and it just, I like that it seems a lot more grounded than, uh, Crystal Skull, which I actually like more than I dislike. Um, same, same Colin, but I like that it's kind of set against the space race and looking at the fact that, you know, we were, we were building rockets and rockets are generally used for blowing things up <laughs> and, uh, space race was just an excuse to make more things that blow up. Um, and then, of course, my second favorite actor right after Sean Connery is Mads Mikkelsen, and he's the bad guy. Um, what franchise has he not been the bad guy in? He's adding Indy to the list. It's going to be great. They're bringing back the Nazis, which usually I would be against people bringing back Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> but in the case of Indiana Jones, I'm all for it. Yeah, he's just taking another paycheck so he can go do another Vinterberg movie. You know, that's, that's great. That's what that's that's Mads' thing, you know. Just comes over here, is the villain in a movie, does great, and then he goes back to Denmark and makes a bunch of really good movies. So I'm here for it. Yeah, Mangold, 
Mangold's an interesting guy. I feel like he's kind of just... I feel like he's, like, smart in a way where he's always kind of, like, seeing the tides of Hollywood and just, like, making whatever movie that is. So, like, he did his superhero movie. Um, yeah, like I said, Ultimate Dad movie, but makes it, like, a racing movie. Kind of, like, a figure out a way where he can do his own interests, but also, like, cater to studio budgets so he can get a lot of money to do his things. He seems like he's kind of... I'd say, like, you know, Spielberg not being on this would be is a little nerve-wracking to me, too. But I think he's a good... He's a good guy to do this. He's great at action. Um, he, he does, like... All of his movies are very, like, good, beautiful to look at, which I think works for all of the things going on in Indiana Jones movies. So, yeah, we'll see. I know this was going to be a big one for you, so I, I kind of wanted to leave the floor for you to kind of talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I love Indy. Um, I'm, I'm here. I'll watch this opening day like five times. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, this was in contention to be actually super high on my list, but I knew Colin would put it on his list. So uh, that's why I didn't put it on mine. Um, this is a movie that like, it's weird just because all my negativity surrounding like the MCU recently is I think rubbed off on just Disney in general. And uh, so I didn't want to be excited for this movie, but then that trailer released, and I was like, God damn it. Like, I want to see this right now. It looks so good. As soon as you hear the punch sound effect, you're like, ah, Dude, I'm in. Yeah. Let's go. Oh, like, <laughs> and yeah, like Colin, I, I love these movies. I even kind of low-key love Kingdom of the Crystal Skull just for how bonkers and weird it is. Uh, so yeah, the, the not Spielberg absence does also make me a little bit skeptical but at the same time i think it could be what the series needs to bring in like a new filmmaker to this and um i think james mangold is a perfect fit like when i heard that I was like yeah hell yeah so can't wait and i think i think for me another big part of this is that this is supposedly john williams last film um which makes sense because he is 90 years old and um, I've learned a lot about composing after seeing Tar, and it seems like a lot of work for a 90-year-old. Um, <laughs> but I think I think that really will be interesting for me because, you know, every every movie that my dad grew up with, every movie that I grew up with, uh, John Williams has, has either been a huge influence on or was scoring along the way. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see him and Indiana Jones kind of fade out at the same time. Can you guys imagine somebody being inspired to be a composer because of the movie tar like just think amazing. about that for a second like so he's like yeah like i watched the movie tar and it made me want to be a composer that'd be like watching she said it'd be like i'm gonna become a producer <laughs> yeah <laughs> or there's like you, you see that christian bale um interview recently where he was saying how like some wall street bro was like yo i love patrick bateman and he was like oh like ironically right <laughs> And the guy was like, no, <laughs> he's the best. And Christian Bale was like, he's oh, my guy, dude. dude. He's yeah. my guy. So I, you know, there's what, 8 billion people on this, on this earth now. I'd say that happens to at least one person. <laughs> oh yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. I feel like it's funny that you guys talk about how crystal, the crystal skull is like, you guys both like it. I can't, honestly, I don't really remember it that much. I just remember the aliens at the end and that was it and child LaBeouf. That was that's kind of all I remember about it. So I'd be curious to watch it again, but I'm kind of just bracing myself for like the actually crystal skull has been amazing this entire time discourse that I feel like will come with like whenever this movie comes out, which will 
which would probably just be annoying because I feel like it's, everything's getting reclaimed now. So I'm just, you know, I'm just bracing for, I'm bracing it like for that outcome to happen. So, but oh. yeah, anyway, we will, let's, let's move on. I think we're going to do my number two next, which is one that I'm shocked that no one else has, but it is David Fincher's The Killer, which I think was number two on my list last year. It didn't come out. Um, listen, it's a David Fincher movie about an assassin played by Michael Fassbender, and it's written by Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote Seven. You know, I'm I'm in. Just bring <laughs> on David Fincher just being an absolute sicko, and I will be the the meme of the sicko guy in the in the window, just cackling at the entire thing. I just can't wait for this movie. Just Fassbender just needs to stop racing Formula One and just kind of come back to acting, and I can't wait <laughs> for him to be in, in this movie until this one's in it, too. Um, so it's just, I just can't wait. I, this is, this is going to be so much fun. I'll believe it comes out when I see it. It's Fair true. enough. Fair enough. That is the one thing where everyone like expects it to come out this year, but it still does not have a, a release date. So I would assume that's maybe means fall. It feels like it'd be like a, like a fall winter yeah, movie kind of thing. Definitely. You don't, yeah. you, don't re- you don't release this next to Barbie, you know? <laughs> what if the killer goes head to head with Barbie and Oppenheimer? <laughs> Just every movie comes out in July on whatever date that is. There are no movies for 2023. They all come out that day. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, I don't know. I just love when when Fincher is an absolute sicko, and I feel like all of his movies where he does that are kind of the same. But I love it every single time because he's just so good at filming it. Um. My, my wife was recently watching The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which I think for a lot of people is like lower to mid-tier Fincher. And I just went in and watched one of, one of the scenes, and I was like, fucking Fincher. I love that guy. <laughs> He's just a twisted guy who just loves exploring the psychology of killers. And you know what? I'm, I'm here for it. I don't know what that says about him, but I don't really care. <laughs> so can't wait. And um, yeah, I think with that... I think with that, let's move on to our number one choices. So I think, so Spencer and I have the same number one. So Colin, why don't we kind of clear the floor first for you, for your number one here? Okay. So um, I think the two films we have left to talk about were on all three of our lists, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's no secret that uh, I'm a big Tom Cruise fan and especially a big Mission Impossible fan. Um, this was my original number one most anticipated movie for 2021, uh, for obvious reasons that that didn't happen. Um, supposed to have come out in November. Obviously that didn't happen, but, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout Dead Reckoning Part One, which is a lot of title. Is there um, Fallout in that too? <laughs> is it in there? In Fallout in the title? Yeah. No. Is it in there? I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's not in there. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say that's like a lot of that's a lot of grammar and punctuation. I would have not like just thinking of me. Mission Impossible colon Fallout colon Dead Reckoning colon Part One Finn, period Part One Part point, Two. Dear God. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is this is big. Um, I think a lot of it probably has to do with Top Gun, but they've been very 
stunt heavy in the advertising, which they always are. But with this movie, it feels like they're going a lot more behind the scenes before we've even seen like what the final product looks like. Um, so they did like that 10 minute video about the uh, motorcycle jump into a I don't think you could call it a halo jump, but into something that you do with a parachute when you come out of the sky. Um, I don't know what the stunts are. They just look cool. A base <laughs> jump. <laughs> a base jump, yeah. <laughs> um, so they did like a 10-minute short on that. There was a video of Tom Cruise like skydiving as he was filming a promo, as he was preparing for a scene, uh, which is crazy cr- Tom Cruise stuff. Uh, but it feels like they've really upped the ante. Um, this seems to be moving the story like a little bit. Fr- whereas like Rogue Nation and Fallout were like two parts of the same story. Feels like we're starting a new and supposedly the final story in the Mission Impossible franchise. Um, seeing as this is Dead Reckoning Part One, obviously Part Two is going to tie in pretty heavily. Um, but they're yeah, it feels like they're just going nuts with it. Um, the stunts are somehow even bigger, and I feel like ever since he scaled the Burj Khalifa, the question's always been like, well, how's he going to top that? And he's consistently done it every single time. So I cannot wait to see what all they blow up and jump off of and climb in this one. Uh, they're bringing back, like, Henry Cizerny is coming back after how many years has it been since the first one? Almost. Yeah, he's I think the like first came out in 1996. Yeah. I think it was 96. It was his plot all along, Colin. He was there the entire <laughs> yeah. time. He was uh, like, it's like Spectre. Palm Clementif has a sword. Carrie Elwise is in this movie. Um, just everybody's coming back. It's going to be a good time. People are going to die. Things are going to blow up. Stunts are going to be had. My favorite thing about these movies, other than the movies themselves, are, um, just like all of the videos that come out with these movies now. Like, like most of the time I'm like, I don't really care about your behind the scenes featurette, but I love watching Tom Cruise with his maniacal smile, just being like, Hey, everybody. Oh, I jumped off a plane. Isn't this wonderful? See you at the movies. Goodbye. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, Tom, keep doing it. You crazy, crazy man. Um, I just love it. And like you go back to when him and Macquarie taught everybody how to stop using motion smoothing on their TVs. It's just the most beautiful thing. I just love it so much. So I'm just so in the bag for this movie, this franchise, just Give me Tom Cruise being an insane person doing insane stunts, and you kind of just strip a plot along with that, and I'm good. Yeah, Mission Impossible Fallout is definitely the closest I've ever come to converting to Scientology. Um, (laughs) Just because you watch that movie, and you're like, this man is like almost 60 years old, and he's doing all this shit. Uh, And that's like... I love that the Mission Impossible movies have kind of just become movies that are yeah like built around stunts basically and somehow they have managed to like every single time make the movie better i feel like especially in the kind of reboot stage once the third came out on that's kind of specifically what i'm talking about but i i still like mission impossible too but yeah i i feel like you can't not be excited for the Mission Impossible movies if you're in the bag for these movies, which I very much am. I love the Mission Impossible movies. So, yeah, can't wait. It's, it's of course, on my list. Yeah, I love how Fallout is basically just like, 
hey, those bad guys got plutonium. And you're like, what? And it's like, oh, no, Tom Rose, Tom's running now. Oh, God, what's <laughs> happening? I don't care. <laughs> and then we're just off. That's all that matters, you know? Really yeah. That matters with these movies. And Christopher McQuarrie just kind of fascinates me because he made one movie and then was immediately in director jail. And then he just, like, partnered up with Tom Cruise and they've just been trying to outdo themselves for, like, 15 years at this point. And I love it because it means big things go boom. Tom Cruise runs. It's great. Yeah, it seems like Macquarie is kind of like he's like not like a studio guy, but he's like the ultimate. Like, I don't really have like a big personality. Like, I'm kind of just here to like shepherd this and kind of go. And then Tom Cruise is so maniacal that he's like, I'll just go along with this and we'll make it work. And it's going to be great. And he's. I mean, he's also just a really good filmmaker. Like he, like all of these movies that since he has joined have looked amazing, um, and I think he's like he's like a really good problem solver. Because I think, like to your point about like the stunts of these movies, like I, I think it was Rogue Nation where they were like, yeah, we had the idea for the four set pieces, and then we were like, all right, how can we write this movie so that all four of these happen? <laughs> and so it was kind of like we know the plane happens here, and then we have to go from here, and then he goes underwater at some point, and they have to string it along. I think he's just really good at that. And I don't like, you know, like maybe sometimes the seams show, but it doesn't really matter for me. Cause like you said, it's just Tom Cruise falling from very high places. And that's kind of, that's kind of it. But yeah, I think with that, I think we will go on to both my and Spencer's number one. Um, so Spencer, I'll give you the floor to kind of present it here. Yep, our number one is, of course, uh, the new Martin Scorsese film, Killers of the Flower Moon. And, uh, yeah, like, it's a Martin Scorsese movie. What more do do we have to say? Uh, you got a completely unrecognizable Leonardo DiCaprio in it. <laughs> um, like, he parted his hair, so you can't tell who he is now. And he had, like, he has, like tips on his ears, maybe, and that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, th- this kind of recent 2010s on phase of Scorsese's career has been super interesting to me um, because, you know, you have things like um, Hugo, which is very reflective on the film industry as a whole, and it feels kind of like his love letter to movies. Um, Then you have something like Silence, which is a movie that has been uh, something he's been working towards and wanting to make for his entire career. It's a passion project. And in my opinion, uh, I don't know if this is a hot take. I think that's his best movie he's ever made. Um, I love that. Yeah. And then you have The Irishman, which is, you know, like very, very interesting, bleak, depressing gangster film that feels like a swan song to a lot of these actors and to in a way to uh martin scorsese as well so uh this movie of course i'm super excited the cast is great it's gonna be incredible like i just i know that i'm gonna love this movie i know it's gonna be like in my top 10 movies of the year so how could it not be my number one yeah it's like the one refrain on this podcast is me just going like, you know who's really good, Martin Scorsese, <laughs> and that's kind of that's kind of it, you know. Like he is, like obviously he's one of the most important filmmakers to ever live. Like I don't really know what else there is to say about Martin Scorsese at this point. Like he's just incredible, and I I, 
I agree, like, picking back off of what you said. Like, I kind of love that he's kind of in his mode now where he's, he's one, he's shepherding great projects, like, when he's not. Like, he has his World Cinema project, but he's been really working really closely with Joanna Hogg and as an executive yeah. producer on her movies. Like, he is really good. Uh, I think he was an executive producer on The Card Counter as well. Um, so he's just, like, always working on, like, shepherding projects, like, when he's not actually making a movie. And they're all wonderful, and I really appreciate that about him. Like, that's, like, honestly, like, the, that might be his, like, lasting legacy, even besides his movies. Like, is all the movies and, like, voices he's helped find. Um, but, like, you know, it's just, it's a $200 million, what is it, like, crime drama with uh, yep. DiCaprio and... Um, we got uh, Jesse we got, Plemons, Jesse yeah, we got Plemons, Jesse Plemons Brandon Fraser, uh, Fraser, and yeah, like he's just going around town to all the different studios and taking all of their money and making whatever he wants to make, you know. And it's incredible. I love it. You know, it's like he's the guy who, like, I guess some corners of the internet, the ones I don't like, are always complaining about because he just talks about how Marvel movies suck, and I'm like, well, yeah, correct. But <laughs> he's at the same time, he's like, I'm gonna work with these streamers because they're desperate for people like me. So I'm going to take a movie like the Irishman, which probably deserves maybe half its budget and double it (laughs) and stuff like that. And now he's going to Paramount and Apple, I think. And I think Apple stepped in on this one because Paramount got so nervous because of the budget. They were like, what do we do with this? And Apple's like, yeah, we'll help you out. And they footed the bill, I think for the rest of the budget. So, you know, I just, I love, I love all the, almost all of his movies. I can't really say there's one I like strongly dislike. And I do love his kind of late stretch, as you mentioned, Spencer, like he's like, he's really, like really good. Like Wolf of Wall Street, I think is like maybe top five movies of the 2010s. You can make the same like argument for the Irishman as well. Um, so I just, yeah. And silence, Nick. How can I forget? I actually really love Silence. Silence, I think I like more than The Irishman, to be honest. I think that movie's incredible. Well, it's like you, you, sorry, you watch like something like The Irishman or Silence, and you're like, this dude has not missed a step. Like he still has it as a filmmaker. Yeah. And there are other filmmakers around his age that, you know, they have ones they miss with, even like Steven Spielberg, who I obviously love, like he's great, but there's some movies I watch with him and I'm like, yeah, that one wasn't quite up, up to par with the others, but yeah, uh, it, Martin Scorsese, I don't feel like that happens with me with, so hence why yeah. it's number one. <laughs> yeah. This was another movie that was a carryover from last year, because I think this one was also originally straight slated for November, uh, but obviously has not come out yet. And I think even now it doesn't have like a specific release date other than 2023. It'll definitely beat the fall. This will be all the awards. It'll be three and a half hours long. It'll get nominated for 13 Oscars and probably win cinematography because everyone will just complain that it's too long and I'll be like, you know what? It, you know what? It should be longer. Give me a five hour cut. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like it, it has the usual Marty collaborators in terms of like Leo and De Niro, but I'm really, I just, I love Jesse Plemons. He plays the weirdest guy in every project he's ever been in. Um, and he's just great every time. Um, I really like when John Lithgow does dramatic roles. Um, uh, cause I feel like he's mostly seen as a comedian, but then every now and then he'll just show up in a drama and just knock it out of the park. 
Um, so I'm gonna assume he's not having a major role, just kind of where he's listed in the the cast list so far. Um, but I'm really excited to see him, and it's a period piece in just kind of a time and place you don't really see as much of. Um, and I feel like maybe now that Harrison Ford's doing whatever Yellowstone reboot, I'll feel really dumb for saying that. Uh, but 1920s Oklahoma isn't exactly the most explored territory movie-wise. And so I'm just excited to see um, something that feels original in that sense brought out to life as well. Yeah, yeah. I guess Taylor, Taylor Sheridan would have, like to have a word about True. the old American West with the 15 shows he has coming out next next week or whatever it is for Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's a Martin Scorsese movie. It's just, it's going to be wonderful, and I just can't wait. Eric Roth's coming back to help write the screenplay, one of the best screenwriters that we have. So, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, it's Martin Scorsese movie. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like pure cinema, as he would say. Um, so, yeah, I think with that, those are our lists. And since I feel like we jumped around a little bit, why don't we kind of go around the room and kind of, give our lists from 10 to one. So why don't, um, Colin, why don't you kind of give us a little rundown of your list as a summary? All right. So number 10, we had 80 for Brady. Um, <laughs> uh, no. So I started, I started number 10 with the fundraiser, which is the tar short film. Uh, then at number nine, I had cocaine bear. Eight was Renfield seven Barbie six Spider-Man across the spider verse five killers of the flower moon. Uh, four, John Wick Chapter 4. Just now realizing I had that at number four. Um, three, The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Two, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And then my number one was Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. That sounds like a lot of great cinema. Spencer, let's go to your list real quick. Lots of vampires. <laughs> yeah, Morgan, are we going to do honorable mentions? Because I like. Yeah, we'll do that. I think we'll do that after. Okay. I feel like, you okay. know, jumped around. I feel like, just give a little summary here. Why not? Here's my list. Uh, number 10, Cocaine Bear. Number 9, Magic Mike's The Last Dance. Number 8, Barbie. Number 7, Dune Part 2. Number 6, Bo is Afraid. Number 5, Napoleon. Number 4, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Number 3, How Do You Live. Number 2, The Zone of Interest. And number 1, Killers of the Flower Moon. Beautiful list. All right, we'll go with mine here. My number 10 is Bottoms. Uh, my number 9 is Creed at Creed 3. Sorry. Well, Creed, the original Creed would be my number 1, that's for sure. Um, 8, we have Blitz. 7, Infinity Pool. 6, Bo is Afraid. 5, Barbie. 4, The Zone of Interest. 3, Mission Impossible. Fallout, colon, Dead Reckoning, colon. Um, 2, colon, Part 1. Um, number two, we have The Killer. And then number one, I also have Killers of the Flower Moon. So, yeah. I'm just, you know, I do, I we kind of talked about it at the beginning, but I am feeling really good about this year. I think there's, like, a lot of stuff, you know, like, on our long lists that I'm really excited for. Um, I kind of wanted to give a quick, when we get into our honorable mentions here, are we excited for Oppenheimer? You know, I feel like that wasn't on our list, we mentioned it, but, like, how are, are we actually feeling for this movie? I was like kind of kind of excited and then I saw the IMAX trailer in front of Avatar and I was like this is going to be awesome like it looks awesome to me 
Yeah, I'm excited and like literally like everybody in Hollywood is in this movie as we've it's kind true. of alluded to. <laughs> and yeah, Jack Quaid is in there. He'll probably give one line of dialogue. I think Josh Peck is in there too, right? He's in the trailer. So, you know, just everybody's in that movie. So Yeah, but Barbie Barbie's gonna kick his ass. Like that's all we know. <laughs> and he exploded a bomb or whatever the fuck he did. <laughs> like holy shit. <laughs> See, like I enjoy Nolan, but very rarely am I like, oh, this movie is like my favorite film of the year. Like I've never had a Nolan movie that I was like, I didn't like this. Um, but I don't I don't gravitate towards him the way I do some of like the bigger like tentpole directors like Marty or Spielberg or kind of that category, because I do think Nolan at this point has kind of earned his place up there. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see stuff blow up. Um, he's in Christopher Nolan's in love with Killian Murphy and he finally gets to make a movie that's, you know, starring him plus Alden Ehrenreich's in this movie and David Dasmalchian. So both of my like underdogs <laughs> are also making their, their play here. Um, so yeah, like I think it'll be fun. I'm definitely going to prioritize Barbie first, but I will, I will double feature our Oppenheimer on the back end of that. <laughs> That'd be a great chaser. Barbie into right into Oppenheimer. It'd be amazing. Yeah, I'm similar. I'm pretty touch and go on Nolan. Like, some of his stuff I think is, like, awesome. Like, weirdly, I think The Prestige might be secretly his favorite movie. I think that's probably a hot take. But I like it when he maybe doesn't have all of the money in the world. Um, like, he has, like, a slightly smaller budget so that he can kind of... I don't know. I feel like like he, like when <laughs> when I don't know. I feel like the Prestige, like you know, that's a kind of okay, like a yeah. mid budget sure. movie. Memento mm-hmm. is is in there too. Um, I like a like you, we have Insomnia, which is I think is great and is definitely his most underrated movie. Um, I kind of like when he has like his mid like more mid tier budgets in it. I mean Oppenheimer, he exploded at something, so it's probably expensive. But you know, it's gonna be. A lot more people talking in a room rather than like whatever the fuck mm-hmm. is happening in Interstellar, you know? <laughs> well, there's probably going to be time stuff in this movie because it's an Nolan movie, but you know, here we are. Um, so I'm interested. I'm cautious, cautiously optimistic because another part about this is all the Nolan bros are just like licking their chops and ready to go, which I feel like makes me hate the movie, even though it's not the movie's fault. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see on that one. Um, but, Colin, do you have any big honorable mentions you kind of wanted to throw out there before we head out? Yeah, I have a... I'm, I'm going to be more of the pop cultural side of things, but I'm unironically excited for the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, <laughs> Mario Mario has always been a staple of, like, what I grew up playing, and so Same. I just love that world and that, like, the characters and... I feel like from what we've seen of the movie, they're probably going to bite off way more than they can chew trying to bring in like Super Smash references and Mario references and Mario Kart references. Uh, but Jack Black as Bowser is just weirdly the best decision. Um, and I can't wait to see that. Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. Um, I really want to see that. That's and pretty so good. Charlie I feel Day like... is Luigi. That's like inspired <laughs> casting, in my opinion. The, wonder, the wonderful Italian-American... Um heritage on display from mario and luigi in this movie yeah, incredible but the <laughs> the trailer gave me like big super mario brothers 2 vibes where they all get to like get the power-ups and and be the hero um and so i think it'll be a lot of fun um 
So that one's that one is unironically pretty high up there. And then I'm actually pretty excited for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Uh, the holiday special for Guardians was the first. Uh, one actually that and uh, Werewolf by Night were like the two big Marvel things that I really latched onto, which I felt pretty dead to Marvel. Um, in the past two years, as we talked about with No Way Home. Um, but I think James Gunn has always had a good idea of what he wants his Guardians movies to be. And even if that's not always like what I would go for, because I definitely have, you know, faults with like Guardians 2 in particular. Um, but I think it seems to be pretty locked into like wrapping up the story. Um, it seems to have some kind of finality to it, which Marvel doesn't really have. And so it'll be nice to have um, you know, just these characters that at this point have been around for almost 10 years kind of go their own way. Um, Dave Bautista is continuing to climb the Hollywood ladder, so I'm excited to see him kind of give a send-off to the role that, that put him on the map, too. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. And He's absolutely dying in that movie, the way he's talking about Drax and being like, oh, yeah, it was great, you know, I had a really wonderful time in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> he's like, he is dead in the third act of that movie. Yeah. There's well, no he's question. He's threatened to quit like ever since <laughs> James Gunn got fired the first time. So you can't it, sell dead action surprise. figures, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, he'll no. It's multiverse stuff now, so yeah. nothing matters. So he'll just come back, but it'll be someone else. It'll be John Cena as Drax or whatever, <laughs> and they'll just they'll just continue from there. It's it's great. Robert Downey Jr. seventy years old will come back. It's wonderful. <laughs> Are we looking forward to the other two Marvel movies at all? We got Quantumania in February, and then we have the Marvels, which I don't think. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of head scra- head shake in there. So um, I'm going to say nobody's excited for that one. Jonathan Majors, I'm in. And I actually, like, I think Ant-Man, and this one will be a little bit different, but Ant-Man always has been, like, a nice palate cleanser, and I loved Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, just, like, going from Infinity War... Or, yeah, it was Infinity War where everybody dies just to that, where they're, like, dicking around with making small things be big um, was great. And so I feel like if they can keep some of that attitude, even though this one's, like, a high-stakes Ant-Man, I think it'll be a lot of fun. And just to mention David Desmalchian for the third time, he's also in that movie, <laughs> so... <laughs> Every time I see that trailer, I just get so, like... like jonathan majors is too talented for this like it just really bothers is. me yeah it's like i mean creed 3 i'm pretty i'm actually kind of excited for but ant-man it's like knowing he's just sold his soul to the mcu kind of makes me a little sad just because we probably won't get as many things like the last black man in san francisco or the five bloods you know so like, it makes me a little sad but yeah it's it is interesting, though, because if there's one thing to get me back on the Marvel train, it's having Jonathan Majors in basically all of their movies moving forward as yeah. the big bad, you know? So I'm sure. like, I'm curious if it's like, if this movie is like halfway decent, I'm curious if we're all kind of like, we'll change our tune at some point. Yeah, like, we'll be right. back in. Yeah, yeah we'll be okay. totally back in. <laughs> yeah. we'll, all be, we'll all be Pacino and Godfather 3. It'll just, it'll, it'll all come back again. I have two honorable mentions of that's cool absolutely i have like 50 so go ahead (laughs) okay so uh one is releasing this week and it's megan which i'm on (laughs) it looks awesome and it looks super fun and inventive um can't wait 
And then the one that I was like, it hurt me to not have this movie on my list because I'm such a massive fan of this franchise is Evil Dead Rise, um, which just released a trailer today, which was as gnarly and disgusting and made me wince as many times as I wanted it to. So uh, yeah, Evil Dead Rise. Can't freaking wait for that movie. Yeah, that trailer looked fun. I was like, ah, I'm kind of in. Like, I didn't know if we needed another Evil Dead movie, but I was like, ah, that looks kind of fun. And it looks like it has a bit of a, like a winking sense of fever, which is kind of what you want from those kind of movies. Um, yeah, I have a bunch of movies I wanted to shout out. Speaking of my Philly roots, we got Knock at the Cabin. You know, like, I'm just here for <laughs> any, all the weird M. Night shit that he's doing now. I was like, waiting I for care. this one. <laughs> yeah, like, I was very tempted to put it on my list. I was very tempted as the I was one too. guy. As the one guy who's like, you know what, old is sick. Like that's like that's where I'm coming from. I like I liked old. Old is good. <laughs> uh, there's just a classic episode of this podcast where it's just me, Colin, and John, and I'm just like, you know what, old is sick. And they're like, well, here's ten reasons why because M Night did weird <laughs> shit. And I was like, eh, I don't know. It's still pretty great. <laughs> I love M Night, dude. I love him. I just love his self-financed mode that he's in now, where he's like, just yep. give me. I'm gonna pay twenty million of my own money. And all my movies gonna make two hundred million dollars, and I'm gonna be rich that way. And then I'll just go back to Sixers games in the front row and have a great time. So it's great. I love that guy. I'm here for all of his weirdness. We got Batista and that, and Rupert Grint too, and his and his kind of team of ghouls going on. So that movie looks fun. I know his second trailer dropped for it. I did have not watched it. Don't watch don't. it. Do not watch it. As yeah, I do not want to watch it. I've, I've read the book. It gives way too much away in my Okay, opinion. good. So I'm really happy. It. Yeah, I've seen the I've seen the the teaser and I was like the teaser's good. awesome. Teaser's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, I'm ready. I'm ready for that movie. But yeah, other than that, uh run through a few. We have a new Kelly Reichardt movie coming coming out this year, Showing Up, which I'm really excited for. Um we have two Wes Anderson movies coming out this year, which is crazy. I mean, it's curious that no one it wasn't on anybody's list, but yeah, Asteroid City, which is his western. And then he has the wonderful story of Henry Sugar, which I think is a Netflix movie. And that's Benedict Cumberbatch is the lead in that one. So we got two from him this year, which is kind of cool. Um, we have Love Lies Bleeding, which is the sophomore feature from Rose Glass, who did um, St. Maud a few years ago. And Kristen Stewart is in it. I'm like, that just sounds incredible. Uh, we have the, the, gover- the Governesses from Joe Talbot, speaking of Last Black Man in San Francisco. This is follow-up to that movie. It has... Um, Renata Reinsva from uh, The Worst Person in the World in it, Lero's Depp, and um, what's her name? Hoyoin from Squid Game. She's in it. I don't know how to say her name, but she's really fun. Um, Civil War from Alex Garland, which is interesting. I'm kind of, you know, I had season tickets for Alex Garland until men, and now I'm kind of <laughs> like, okay, we're, we're still there, but we'll see what's, what Civil War is like. Um, Apparently, John Woo is coming out with a movie this year. It's called Silent Night. It's apparently a there's a, it's an action movie with zero How dialogue. How did I not know about this? <laughs> that would have been maybe number one on my list. <laughs> so it's apparently an entire... It's an, just an action movie, and there's apparently no dialogue the entire movie. Hard-boiled, one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. Kind of sounds amazing. You know, I'm ready for a John Woo action movie back in my life. Hell um yeah. And then we get two movies from Yorgos Lanthimos this year. We got Poor Things and And, which I feel like I'll have to like 
like take a space every time I say and so people <laughs> know I'm not just saying whatever you know, you know what I'm saying um, that one's gonna be I love all of his movies so I'm sure both of those will be wonderful um, and the last one just for me Pavel Popkowski's next movie called The Island is coming out love Cold War it's like one of my favorite movies of the 2010s I watch it all the time it's like a, that's a that's a big one in the Kush household so I'm looking forward to that movie but um, yeah movies they're back <laughs> they're looking really good the Kelly Reichardt one, I totally forgot about. That definitely would have made my list. She's one of my favorite filmmakers. So, yeah, slow I cinema. Like that she's in the uh, she's in the A twenty four bag now. So they're just giving yeah. her unlimited, well, not unlimited money, but they're giving her they're enough giving her to money. Make her, yeah, yeah, to make her <laughs> interesting movies that don't have yeah. like big or like you, or like big concepts to them or anything like that. Yeah, usually she doesn't need much money. <laughs> like she's pretty yeah. small scale, so yeah, it's like. <laughs> Yeah, the fact that they gave her uh, money for First Cow to do a period piece and whatnot, I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah, <laughs> Look, they're making, they're making milk. Amazing. This is wonderful. Yeah, First so Cow's good. the best. Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm i really looking forward to all those movies. Uh, do we have any, any other thoughts before we head out here? Any any big ideas? Anything? Uh, go see Babylon. <laughs> Can still turn around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do we just pivot right into the Babylon pod? <laughs> yeah. Make this thing go five hours at least. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, stay tuned for that Babylon pod that will be posted right after this one. Um, <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening. It's good to be back on the podcast. Thank you to, to both Colin and Spencer for joining. And we'll be back sometime soon. We'll see. We're kind of switching up the kind of the how we talk about movies and whatnot no more of the netflix top 10 or anything like that so we'll we'll see you sometime soon tbd that's the most ringing endorsement i could ever give for you to continue to listen to this podcast but we will be back very soon and um yeah thank you all for listening we'll see you next time